Good morning, and welcome to the Cyber Smart Morning News Update. With the always evolving world of cyber threats and defense, you need a source you can trust. FBI retired Special Agent Darren Mott guides you through today's intricate cyber landscape and brings you the latest headlines and insights and what it means to you. Let's dive into today's cyber news. Good morning, friends. It is Monday, October 9th, 2023. It is Columbus Day here in the United States, so a federal holiday for those who have the day off. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Uh, let's get right into the news. It was, uh, as always, a busy, obviously a busy weekend with all this going on in Israel. And one of the things I thought about as this was going on, in addition to the tragedy that is occurring over there, is that where's the cyber piece of that? Before I went through all my news sites, I have found one news site brought up the cyber piece, and it's exactly what I thought would happen, and it's happening already. This is from cybernews.com, Gintaris. Radowskis is reporting, and the type, the headline is Israel, Israel's government media websites hit with cyber attacks. This is a logical extension of all of this that happened in Israel over the weekend. Uh, so reading from the article, hacktivists, including cyber gangs such as the infamous Killnet, a Russian hacker group, are targeting various Israeli organizations following deadly attacks by Hamas militants. The gun battles between Hamas and the Israeli Defense Forces uh, continue, and now cyber warriors have joined the fight. It was impossible to connect to the website gov.il from around the world on Sunday evening, and Killnet swiftly took responsibility for the attack on Telegram, uh, which is a social network. Israeli government, you are responsible for the blood dust. You know, obviously, it's going to be hacktivist baloney um, from a bunch of douchebags in Russia who are deciding to take what's going on there and do exactly this we will see more of this as the weeks and months continue um, not only from russian entities but from iranian entities obviously who iran who funded this whole thing uh, will obviously start to do um, cyber activity against the israelis as well Um, fortunately there's a lot of smart cybersecurity folks in israel so hopefully they are set to kind of deal with it and block it as best they can in addition to all the other stuff they're doing with but certainly as we go forward in the weeks and months we will see a lot more of this there's more to this article if you want to go ahead and take a look at it the link is in the show notes all right from the register.com this is jessica alliance hardcastle reporting the ftc says please stop falling for social media scams you're giving crooks at least 650 million dollars so far this year so um Social media posts hyping products and investment opportunities sound too good to be true, probably are, the FTC would like you to know. In fact, according to U.S. government watchdogs, since 2021, people have lost more than $2.7 billion from fraud pushed via social networks. Social media is the number one method for scammers to contact their victims. This includes uh, a lot of phony investment opportunities, romance scams, all that kind of stuff. Um, cryptocurrency scams, specifically pig butchering, um, is the number one uh, money loss scam going along. And actually there was another article that I referenced in LinkedIn on Friday that had to do with variations on the phone call scams, right? The, 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 um, supporting your, your the, the, um, I'm sorry, the tele, the, there's something on your computer. We're here at tech support, the tech support scam. It, it, it appears to be, you get a phone call from your bank saying, Hey, I'm from the bank. Someone's trying to hack your account. I want to help you. That's the new scam going on. Um, and it's resulting in millions and millions of dollars of loss already this year. So if you have a senior uh, in your life, you want to make sure you're educating them as to when these phone calls come, what they should and shouldn't do and what they shouldn't do is talk to the person and give them their information. So this this FTC report is just explaining that there's tons of this going on and people are getting taken by it. From CyberScoop, 
Caroline.com, Caroline Nihill reporting DC voter records for sale on a cybercrime forum. So the District of Columbia Board of Elections became aware last week of a breach which occurred via its hosting provider. So, hey, a third party didn't secure information. Shocking. A hacking group breached Washington, D.C.'s local election authority, accessing 600,000 lines of voter data. The District of Columbia Board of Elections confirmed in a statement to CyberScoop on Friday. A user calling itself PwnCoder claimed in a Tuesday post in an online forum where stolen data is bought and sold that they had breached the D.C. Board of Elections and offered to sell the data, which included the last four digits of voters' social security numbers, driver's license numbers, and addresses, along with other data. Obviously, you can do a lot of identity theft, stuff like that. I mean, if you're concerned, honestly, at this point about your social security number, you kind of let that go. Yeah, everybody's social security number is somewhere, so it's probably been lost. The best thing you can do, honestly, is freeze your credit unless you need to buy a house or buy a car. If, if you freeze all your credit at the credit bureaus, then no one can really have much success, theoretically, doing identity theft because when uh, a credit score is run, it'll be frozen and they can't do anything. Not perfect, but it's one thing you can certainly do. And I point this particular article out to make the point that, okay, if you're not in Washington, D.C. and you're not on the vocal voter rolls, you don't really care, right? Yeah, you should care because chances are this is not the only voter uh, voter role or election authority in the country that has had this problem. I guarantee that over the course of the next month, there will be a lot more of these types of reports coming out from other election bureaus that they have been hacked as well and that information has been lost, stolen, and is available on the dark web. This just goes to remind everyone that they should keep track of their important accounts in the sense of, you know, every day you should go and check your bank accounts, check your investment accounts, make sure everything looks like it's supposed to so that if someone has access to a certain information that they can use social engineering to get someone to switch a password or they can use, they have one of your old passwords that you're using everywhere, then you want to at least be on top of your stuff and pay attention because there's all, data is coming from everywhere. Every, anywhere there's data and information, bad guys are looking to steal it. Again, this is the third party actor that did this, but that's the biggest problem, right? All of our information is stored in third parties. Um, and if they don't have good cybersecurity, stuff like this is going to happen. Um, and here's another one, Bleeping Computer. Bill Tullis reporting, third Flagstar data breach since 2001 affects 800,000 customers. Now, if you're not a Flagstar bank, you don't care. This isn't going to impact you, but it does impact 800,000 other people who had their, 800,000 people had their personal information stolen by cyber criminals due to a breach at a, you guessed it, third-party service provider. So Flagstar, which is now owned by the New York Community Bank, is a Michigan-based financial services provider that, before its acquisition last year, was one of the largest banks in the United States, having total assets of over $31 billion. Why do banks get targeted? Because that's where the money is. Uh, and this particular um, data theft occurred because of a breach of the Clop Move It transfer file data attack. So, uh, you know, this is, again, another one. Uh, they exploited a zero day that, that Flagstar had not patched. And bad stuff happened. I make this point just to go to show. Banks are constantly being targeted. Um, you may not have been in this particular data breach, but you very well may be in the next one. Again, understand where your data is. Have strong passwords. Use multi-factor authentication. Watch your stuff because, again, this is happening. This is going to continue. We'll see more of this. And the big thing here on this one, this is the third breach of this company in two years. They have, they don't learn. Companies that get breached don't learn from their mistakes. Uh, let's go back to last week or the week before, uh, MGM, not their first, not their first hack. Sony, not their first hack. So no one's learning from these are big companies that should have better cybersecurity, yet they don't. They continue to get breached. So you have to take proactive steps to make sure your data, you're protecting your own data.
and along those lines, Wired.com, 23andMe user data stolen and targeted attack on Ashkenazi Jews. Now, that's kind of an interesting targeted attack, but let's just be honest, chances are it's more than just that. But anyway, so the genetic testing company 23andMe confirmed on Friday that data from a subset of its users had been compromised. The company said its systems were not breached, and the attackers gathered the data by guessing the login credentials of a group of users and then scraping more people's information from a feature known as DNA relatives. Users opt into sharing their information through DNA relatives for others to see. So what this should show you is that if you have used 23andMe, turn that part off. Um, maybe tune it on to look at it, but then turn it off afterwards. But this is, again, a security problem within 23andMe. They have bad controls in place. And it allowed um, these million data points, which were exclusively about Ashkenazi Jews, to be compromised. Um, there are also seen to be hundreds of thousands of users of Chinese descent impacted by the leak. Uh, on, on Wednesday, the actor began selling what it claims are 23andMe profiles for between 1 and 10 bucks an account because it includes name, sex, birth, year, some details about genetic ancestry, and some other stuff. They'll use it for scamming or figure out some way to use it for scamming. Um, and it says here, the company emphasized in a statement is not see evidence that its systems had been breached. It encouraged users to use strong, unique passwords and able two-factor authentication to keep actors from compromising their individual accounts. Now, with 23andMe just saying that, all I can say to them is... Welcome to the party, pal! That's right. Good comp, good passwords, good multi-factor authentication. Should be doing it already. It's sad we have to say it now. So, again, if you're using 23andMe... Uh, go in and check your security settings. Uh, Quackbot gang still active to fight despite FBI takedown. This is from Info Security Magazine. Kevin Porelt, I'm mispronouncing his name. Despite the takedown of a Quackbot threat tank uh, of the Quackbot threat gang's infrastructure by the FBI in late August, some of the group's affiliate are still deploying ransomware through phishing campaigns, according to Cisco Talus. So I, I mentioned this one simply because th this the takedown of the Quackbot command and control servers was a big news story, and it was and you know good good it's good work by the bureau. Probably took them years to get to this point, but not a surprise that they have simply turned around and continued to use their stuff on different infrastructure. Why? Because no one was arrested. Sure, servers were taken offline, but you can go buy another server somewhere else. And I'm not saying the Bureau should not be doing this. I should, what I'm saying is don't get, all, get, don't get all impressed by yourself simply because you took down a command and control server. We've been doing, this for, we've been doing command and control server takedowns for decades, at least 20 years at this point. And it has a good short-term impact on the group. And I say this as an, as an individual who had a long-term undercover case, took down a bunch of groups in the wear scene and piracy continues on today. So I had limited impact. I recognize that. I recognize the irony there, but I mean, again, I mean, it's got to do these things, but if we're not arresting anybody and actually causing a negative impact on people's lives that would say, Hey, maybe I shouldn't be doing this particular activity. We're just going to continue to see this issue going forward. So you can go read that one at Info Security Magazine if you're so inclined. And finally, uh, poor cybersecurity habits are common among younger employees. This is a, from helpnetsecurity.com, and this is more of a, of a public service announcement. One in three employees believe their actions do not impact their organization's security. So this is a survey that showed they asked a bunch of people under 40 
what they thought about cybersecurity, and they figured they weren't doing anything wrong. That's yeah, genius. So the research also shows the millennial and Gen Z workforce uh, office workers are more likely to have unsafe cybersecurity habits when compared to Gen Z and older, those above 40 years of age. This is true about performing password hygiene, clicking on phishing links, and sharing devices with families and friends. So you would think that the older folks don't know any better. They know better. It's the younger folks that don't. So this just kind of goes, you should educate and train your people regularly and all the time. And plus, let's be honest, on your corporate networks, there are things you can do that can prevent any of this. Don't allow private email. If, if someone needs to get their Gmail account, they got a phone. Let them use their phone. Don't allow them to do it at work. I mean, my, my job allows me to go to my personal email if I want to. I do it on a separate device, but I could do it if I wanted to. You really need to get in. I mean, companies really need to, to application whitelist stuff, block stuff that... They don't want people to go to, I mean, what is the, what are the, on your corporate network, what are the key things your employees need? Leave it to that. All the other personal stuff they can do on their private devices that aren't connected to your network. But sadly, we have a culture that does not believe in this. And you now have younger workers that don't give a shit. Honestly, they're going to do dumb stuff and they don't care. They don't think it's their fault because it's how they live. With that, that is the news for this Monday, October 9th. I hope you're enjoying your Columbus Day if you have the day off. If not, sorry to hear that. Uh, if you want to read any more of these stories, they are in the show notes. Feel free to do so. And give thoughts, questions, comments on the podcast. Email me, Darren at thecyberguy.com. Follow me on LinkedIn, on uh, X, on Facebook, Instagram, Substack, all those places you can find me and my various machinations of thoughts, comments, and opinions. Uh, with that, thanks so much again. We will talk soon because knowledge is protection. If you can understand the threats targeting you, you can assess your risk and proceed wisely. Have a great Monday. CyberSmart Morning News is written and produced by CyberGuy Productions. Feel free to email thoughts, comments, or suggestions to Darren at thecyberguy.com or follow Darren on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash Darren Mott. Thanks for listening.